velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Tom and I am not joined today by fellow Bath fan and good friend Gabriel, but we've got another get, another special guest, a third special guest of season five of the podcast. Delighted to be joined by lifelong Bath fan, um, avid social media, the Bath Badger, Henry Bate. Henry, welcome to welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for the very kind introduction as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was saying to you just just before we we hit record. I mean, we've been talking for years and years on on social media. Anyone who's on on Twitter will probably have have have, have seen your 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 account, the the Bath Badger, on on Twitter. Um, but it's taken us five years, five seasons to 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 get you on the podcast. Um, but but for those, I guess who who don't don't necessarily know you haven't haven't kind of spoken to you before i wonder before we get into it maybe henry just give a bit of an introduction to yourself and your you know your history as well of of of, of being a bath fan the highs and lows of, of being a bath fan over the years yeah thank you um yeah obviously an avid li- listener of the pod so it's a privilege to be on so thank you very much for, <laughs> for having me i have been a, an avid listener since since day one really getting sort of insights every week of of bath many many lows and a few highs over the last four years but but fingers crossed going forward it's going to be a lot more highs um i've been a, a bath fan since i was about seven or eight years old um never lived in bath during during my lifetime sadly born in born in the area and family are from the area and that's my association um but have been living in the southeast or london um for all my time supporting bath managed to convince my father to get a season tickets when I was um, a teenager, sort of 16 years old. Um, and going into, I think, my 17th or 18th season as a, as a season ticket holder at the Wreck and make the pilgrimage every two weeks, um, come rain or shine. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a great 18 years. Met lots of people, lots of friends. And as I said, hopefully more highs than lows going forward. You weren't tempted to be a Wasps fan or even even worse, a Saracens fan than living in London? I mean, I, I literally live behind the stoop. Um, so my wife regularly comments, why can't I support Quinns? They're much better anyway. Um, but you can't change your spots. So, um, yeah, despite lots of pulls and ties from friends, um, I've remained loyal through these years. Um, so, yeah. But, but yeah, f- friends growing up at school were Quinns. Sarries, Wasps, that was the mix. I've managed to persuade a lot of my school friends to support Bath and they still come uh, quite regularly. So I've managed good. to sort of get a, get a small pool of Bath fans in the, in the South East. That's good going. Good going after, after how the last, last few seasons have gone. And, you know, with Saracens and Quinns, as you say, you're doing, doing so well. 
good uh, good driving recruitment for the for the club. That's what we like to hear. Yeah, there'll be a there'll be a group of school friends out in Toulon in December who are all based in in, in and around London. Who I'd say a bit more casual fans, but I've I've converted them over the last eighteen years. Nice, and I believe we have a a new Bath rugby supporter. Um, your your young son is that right? Has he? Uh, it is. Pledged, has he pledged his allegiance yet? Well, he's been bought all the kit, so um, I mean, yeah, he's fifteen months old. Can't <laughs> quite talk, but I'm hoping. One of his first words will be Bath, Bath, Bath. Uh, he's, um, he's fitting well on this podcast then. He is, and he's, he's Gabriel as well. So, Oh, uh, um, nice. Yeah, would, would fit in very nicely. <laughs> very good. Well, yeah, thanks again for, for, for coming on. And we've, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, you know, quite a lot of goings on before, before the game um, itself with, with the, the, the postponement to, to Saturday following, obviously, the, 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 the very sad news about the queen so maybe we'll just touch on that because i know you were you were quite vocal having planned on watching the the game on friday night before heading over to heading over to the cricket to watch that that famous series win and yeah the, i mean the game nearly didn't happen to be honest and there yeah. was 18 hours of confusion is the game going to be rescheduled from friday night to saturday bristol city's game at ashton gate was cancelled so will it be saturday will it be sunday Will it be one of the very sparsely populated free game weekends, I think, in November and February with the options that that they had? But I mean, the whole handling of the, the situation by Premier Rugby was was pretty questionable. And yeah. um, what did you what did what what did you 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 make of you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was an unprecedented time and you know, all of these sports had to go on a DCMS call and ultimately the government allowed individual sports to make their own decision which I think complicated things further and particularly when football made a an early stance to postpone that sort of put a little bit of pressure on on other sports although cricket went very early in saying look we'll postpone Friday and then we'll continue our test match so I think ultimately it showed the the shortcomings of the way premiership rugby operates um you know they've they've got thirteen shareholders that have to call to board meetings um, who are all voting for their own agendas and you know what what the press were reporting was that um, I think they almost got to a unanimous verdict apart from two clubs and those two clubs weren't involved in Friday night fixtures um, which which leaves a bit of a sour taste and I guess particularly for Bristol when you know the rumor was that four hundred k was on on the line at stake from from cancelling for ticket sales hospitality etc so. Um, I think ultimately, yeah, it just showed that that Premiership Rugby need more power. Um, we, we were talking earlier. Just there's a very good podcast from the Times that's come out today with with Mark Evans on there, who's been an administrator for, for Quinns as a CEO, and he goes into some very intricate details of of how it works from a board perspective. But but yeah, he, he was just saying it's effectively not fit for purpose, particularly when there's time sensitive issues like like this has been that that you're never going to get unanimous decisions and you're going to get fractured relationships and things so um they raised a very interesting point about appointing a commissioner for the premiership who ultimately has a little bit more power um to control things and, and ultimately try and make things ultimately profitable but also to make decisions best for the league rather than, than individual clubs so um getting around about way yeah it, it was a little bit shambolic and it, it just rugby doesn't do itself favors anymore i mean you know i Again, I'm biased being a Bath fan, but but I think particularly as with, with no football on over the weekend, rugby had a, a great opportunity on Friday night with nothing else going on. Um, a Bath, Bristol local derby, 
um, to showcase that to the country, um, both from a paying respects perspective, but also um, from a rugby perspective to, to, to show people, you know, you should be coming to watch club rugby. And yeah, ultimately the game was postponed 18 hours. There was no TV ultimately. So only the, the 22,000 who, who made the trip to Ashton Gate could see it. And that ultimately for a fixture of that caliber was, was not great. And then obviously there was no TMO either, which brings different questions about integrity of the league and things. So it, it just wasn't a great scenario um, that, that played out. Yeah. And then it, it, is, it is unprecedented and you know, it happens obviously late on, on, on Thursday night your point that you made there's a good one when you've got 13 organizations all kind of reacting and handling things in different ways it's a complete nightmare trying to get them all um you know unanimously to agree on 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 a certain thing when obviously there's different pressures uh for for for, for different clubs and and you know you look at you look at Worcester obviously they've got they've got much bigger things on yeah. on their minds now I just think that you know some of the the way it's handled by Premiership Rugby themselves, I think, is that just the management and the communication is very, very poor. I mean, you hear about the the referees being told the same time as the public, and guys that are already referees that are already travelling down for Friday night, fans that are already travelling across the country for for Friday night. So, yeah, I don't think the communication was particularly good, particularly when you compare it to you know other sports that came out and made stronger statements like like cricket and football. And I, I agree with the other point. I think the having having been at the the match on Saturday, you know, the twenty two thousand people there, twenty two thousand out of twenty eight thousand. So it was it was it was still a really good turnout despite having been moved a day later. You know, standing in silence and then singing the national anthem was a really you know in a way nice tribute um, to, to 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 pay respects, as you say. But yeah, when you hear about numbers like four hundred k losses, which I think Charlie Morgan reported on. On, on Twitter for things like hospitality and, and moving staff and that kind of thing. And then at the same time, you see stories like, well, you know, that was in the Daily Mail about the, the, the level of debt that these clubs are, these clubs are taking. Yeah, exactly. On. It doesn't, they don't, those two things don't go together per, particularly well, but the game happened. We, 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 we got our West country derby. We got our opening fixture. We will get into the, 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 the fixture itself, obviously a very, very painful result. Uh, victory snatched from us at the end uh, you know phenomenal performance led by by Ellis Genge obviously in his return to, to Bristol which just makes it even tougher to take but but before we get on to the game obviously first selection under under Johan van Gran maybe a couple of surprises in there what did you make of the the first team selected by by Johan van Gran in, in his tenure Henry? Yeah, I mean, initially, I think like a lot of people, I was a little bit surprised with, with certain names on, on the team sheet, particularly Francis at 10. Um, and sort of, yeah, the, I guess seeing sort of the, the, the pragmatic style of, of selection. Um, but ultimately, I think once sort of you had time to digest it, um, I thought that, that actually it probably was was a was a right decision. A lot of the, the things I've been hearing sort of out, out of Farley has been that, that really they've just purely focused on basics um, and then the attack is something that's going to come together over the, the course of the season so I think um, ultimately they wanted to get the kick chase right the the kicking game um, and then a powerful pack so yeah there were some some interesting calls and I think that's interesting to see Johan Stahl coming in straight away 
but but yes, after sort of thinking about it, uh, it made sense. Sort of yeah, Di Carpentier being number twenty three had a lot of people guessing: was he is he going to be a hybrid back? Is he going to be a forward? Is it a six two bench? Um, and ultimately, actually, we needed we needed him with with the injuries that occurred, unfortunately. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I think with the the, the Piers Francis one, just to, to to touch on that first of all. I mean, you know, he's not a guy that played a lot of rugby last season when he was at Northampton Saints. He came across, as you say, listed as a centre ten. It was very much my impression anyway that he'd be kind of cover for Orlando Bailey, who obviously had had such a good season and, and came through the senior academy last year. You know, I was I was looking at the stats from Francis for, for the last couple of seasons at Northampton Saints, and he barely took a place kick in those those yeah. couple of seasons. So I, I was I was quite impressed. I was quite you know, surprised as well with how composed he was, with how good his kicking was as well. He's obviously a decent defensive ten as well, which I think is is important to Van Gran and, and Ferreira. But I do think that I would still want to see Bailey starting going forwards for me. You know, I, as, as I say, I think he has gelled really well with Ben Spencer. I think that's a really nicely balanced halfback combination. We know, you know, he, he enjoys and and plays well with with Cam, both Cameron Redpath and Max Ajoma as well. Obviously, coming up through the, the the respective kind of age groups with 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 those guys. So yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised about that. I don't know whether you know for whatever reason there was a kind of strategic reason or tactical reason that that Francis was picked in this particular game. We did kick a lot, as you say, twenty five kicks from hand, which is a you know a very high number if you compare that to twelve from from Bristol. So. I think pragmatic's the word, and I think that's also reflected in the six-two-two split as well. I mean, that hints fairly strongly at what we're trying to do, which is more um, try and suck the life out of the Bristol pack, which I think we did 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 did, did well at times. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think executed the game plan very well for for seventy-five minutes. Mm. And then the other kind of, I guess, piece of news from the from the selection was a day or two before actually was the appointment of Ben Spencer as kind of official captain for the 22-23 season, obviously with with Charlie Yules having had an operation on both his knee and shoulder last week. So a rough week for Charlie Yules after having got married the, 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 the weekend before. So what do you make, first of all, what do you make of that, of that decision? And secondly, if this season sort of, you know, we do see a pickup in form, we do see kind of some of these improvements come through. Can you see that potentially being... The, the the way that it remains after the season so yeah I think firstly uh, very yeah I think it was a good appointment I think really there were only two options for Bath going into the season I think it was either McNally or Spencer I think those were the two standout options mm-hmm. and to be honest I think either or I would have been been very happy with I think both really lead from the front I think the way that's why that Spencer works in particular is that he is at nine he is sort of the linchpin between the forward pack and the backs and with the game style that we're going into the season playing with being the pragmatic style, I think him being the captain with that clear game plan um, is the right call. And I think, you know, cause we're going to be based on, on the kick chase in particular and executing that. I think him dictating the tempo of the game. I think that's absolutely the right call. Yeah. I think he I said this last week on the podcast, but he, for me, fits in very, very well to the style of play that, that we want to play pragmatic being, I think the the key word, you know, it's it's how Saracens when he was there were were were, were so successful, and he's clearly a leader as well. I think he said yeah. in an interview that since coming in, and this is his third season at Bath, and since coming in, 
he's kind of come out of the shadow of Richard Wigglesworth in obviously that very successful Saracen squad. And I think he's enjoyed being immediately thrown into kind of a leadership role within the group. You know, he put out a, a social media post to say that he's proud to, to lead the group. We know that his, his three-year contract will be up at the end of the year. So hopefully, you know, this kind of buy, buys a bit of loyalty. I mean, I could, I could put that in a better way, but buys a little bit of loyalty with him. And it, it might be that he's, 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 he's there longer term as well. So I think a very, very good appointment. He can play 80 minutes as well. I think he, whenever he's the sort of guy that whenever he gets substituted off, he always looks like he's, like he's pretty pissed off. So yeah, really pleased to see that, that, that appointment. I'm glad they've, they've, they've done that, put a line in the sand for this season. Now they know yours isn't available rather than just have him as club captain and then kind of pick captains week, week to week. So very pleased to, to, to see that. And then just lastly on the selection piece. So Bristol, obviously big news in the week, it was revealed that Ellis Genge and Harry Randall had dispensation, had applied for kind of special dispensation to be available for the, for the Derby and obviously come back after eight weeks rather than, than, than 10 weeks. They, they had an agreement from the RFU from Eddie Jones directly, I think as well. And obviously Bath didn't do the same with their England players. So, you know, meant they had a massive advantage there in, in being able to bring those, those, those guys back and we'll, we'll come on to the impact that, that particularly, particularly Genge had. It was the worst possible start really, wasn't it? I mean, I was sat there with, you know, oh, it was a very good bath turnout, but I was sat there amongst lots and lots of Bristol fans in the Lansdowne stands. Two minutes in, it had to be Ellis Genge, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, when I was watching it back today, I think I think it was even in the first minute, to be honest, because um, I didn't, because really, I was following the game on Twitter and the radio, I didn't realise how quickly that try was, but I think it was on Bristol's third phase of the match and Bath had kicked the ball away after one phase. So it was within the first minute and... Yeah, it couldn't have been a worse start. And particularly when it's one-on-one front-up tackles. Yeah. You see that and you think, oh my goodness, the, the hangover from last season is well and truly here because I, I think they'll go back and they'll reflect really on individual moments while we lost the game. I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but the rest of the collective effort was brilliant. But there was just one or two moments where they switched off, particularly the two Genge tries and that that was it. I think McNally will be really disappointed with, with body height and tackle there. Um, you can't have a loose head prop running in from 35 meters. No. And he's a, he's a very, very good carrier. You know, he's one of the best loose head props in the world. And he was obviously clearly chomping at the bit and running very, very explosively. A nice little short ball from, from Carl Sinclair as well in, in the midfield. But you're absolutely right. You know, we've, we've only got our, selves to, to to blame there you know you let him you let him go through like that you let him get that the crowd behind him get his back up and um you know Josh McNally who is a guy that has been one of our best defenders since he's been in the club doesn't make many defensive errors he hits very very hard and I think yeah he'll be hugely disappointed to miss that he'll definitely is the sort of guy that will hold his hands up and be like that was completely completely my mistake so um I think you're absolutely right. And I think if you're, you're JP Ferreira trying to mold this new defense and you're watching that in the, in the second minute, yeah, I think it was hundred seconds in or something, you're going to be, you're going to realize that you've, uh, you've got a long way to go. The journey, the journey has only just started, but yeah, I mean, just as I say, obviously it has to be Ellis Genge on the, on the Bristol side, who else would it be for Bath? You know, the guy who's just been made captain 
of course it's Ben Spencer that scores the the first try under under Johan van Gran and kicks off the season and a lovely try as well you know a couple of very robust carries one from Ben Urbano and then the the double dummy and and through to through to score and uh sold Ellis Genge the dummy from the base of the ruck which I enjoyed I mean that was brilliant and and that's one thing I think that that Spencer's got in his locker that that doesn't necessarily use too often I don't think we saw it too much last year but he he identified that gap and once he was through it was great composure as well just to to faint Piet out to to sell him the the inside pass and then go in um and yeah I was hugely impressed with with how we recovered from going 7-0 down within within those two minutes and that try came from a turnover again at the lineout, which again last season we didn't see a lot of turnover at lineout time. So it was incredibly impressive, I thought, how we went seven nil down to, to going ten seven, um, returning very quickly. Yeah, and how many times have we seen it last season where we concede one, the crowd get up exactly how they did after that Genge try, and we concede two, three, four, five, six, or more tries. After that, yeah. and 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 just just really capitulate. So, yeah, what do you what would you kind of put that down to uh, in that in 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 that first half? But is it game management? The kicking. You mentioned the line out as well. Anyone that you were particularly kind of impressed with, and and what do you think of kind of the overall game plan that we were we were we we, we were trying to put in place? Well, I, th- I think it, it, yeah. Going back to strategy, I think. Um, they were very calm and composed. And I think from the try, I think from memory, Francis put in a short kickoff. We we got it back and we went one or two phases and then Spencer kicked it from the halfway line back into their 22 um, and put pressure on them. Uh, and then I think they then exited and, and we got an attacking line out and then got a penalty from there. So I think the game management to get us on the scoreboard first and foremost was, was pretty impressive. We could have tried to push things um, to get ourselves out of a hole. But but yeah, what struck me most was the accuracy of of the kick chase um, straight away. Last season, how many times did we see long, aimless kicks and, and we get absolutely stung on the counter-attack um, and then can't rely on our defensive line? So I think almost every kick that, that we did was contestable. And I thought Gabe Hamer-Webb and Matt Gallagher, I think that, you know, that's why he's been picked on the wing for his aerial skills. And fully expects the likes of Bure and McConaughey to thrive this season based on that because of their their aerial skills as well when they come back. But yeah, I think firstly the strategy, yeah, the, the, the kick the kick chase was on point. The defense became very aggressive after that. Um and and it's a bit of a nuance, but but I was really impressed with the accuracy at the ruck. Um and last year we had huge issues at ruck time. Ben Spencer got a hell of a time all season with getting scragged at ruck time. And I thought the ball was really quick. Um, and the body positions of the arriving players was much lower mm-hmm. at the ruck time. And again, at mall time uh, later in the game when we've, we've, we seem to revolutionize them all, which is, which is brilliant. But yeah, again, looking through the mat stats, we won 98% at the ruck, 64 out of 65 rucks on our own ball. We won. And, Last season, that would have been nowhere near that accurate. Yeah, I think we had the, the slowest ruck speed in the league last year, 4.2 seconds. Um, I think yeah. top of the league, I think top of the, the league most efficient was Exeter, about 2.8. So it's a massive difference there. But but yeah, that's what struck me on, on, on mm. watching the game back today was how quick the ball was. And we didn't necessarily use it. That wasn't necessarily the game plan at the weekend. But I think that will lead really nicely into the rest of the season when we yeah. do start to look at attack. If we can keep... Um, the, that accuracy at the ruck 
uh, then we can start using our outside backs. And I think that's when we'll start to see the introduction back into the team of a Jomo, Muir, McConaughey. Like we could, we could thrive if we keep that accuracy at the ruck. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing I would say is discipline. You know, we're, yeah. we, we last season, 14, 15, 16 penalties in, in some games that we, we gave away only nine in, yeah. in this, in this. And, you know, managing the game, territorial stuff, uh, you know, winning kind of a territorial battle is as much about kicking, competing, um, knowing when to, to put the pressure on and knowing when to play percentages as it is not giving away penalties and not giving easy field position back to opposition. So completely agree with you on, 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 on those points. And that's, 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 that's really good analysis. Two big moments, despite kind of that, you know, despite kind of steadying the ship, two big moments on seven minutes and 20 minutes, losing both Chris Colette and Beno Urbano. And I, it's not something I wanted to say this week, but the latter in particular with a, with a very kind of serious looking, looking knee injury, um, gutting for, for, for both those guys, particularly Benno, who's obviously had such bad luck with injuries. Yeah. I mean, that, that looks really bad and fingers crossed. I think we were hoping for an update from the club today, which hasn't come, which I guess, is, I guess not particularly going to be good news, but it, it looked, it looked bad. Um, it looked not to speculate, but it looked sort of lower leg ACL region. Yeah. And this would be, yeah, it'd be the third serious knee injury in, in three seasons for him. And he's such an inspirational player. And, you know, talking about preseason predictions and things and, you know, many pundits have identified our weakness this season being front row, back row, and to lose our new signing in particular, who's meant to be good on the floor turnover magnet is, is really, really gutting. And hopefully it's not a long-term injury for Chris. And then, yeah, Benno is such a destructive ball carrier. And again, in a team that we don't necessarily have a huge amount of them to have him back for the beginning of the season, he looked really sharp in Jersey in the first 10 minutes in Bristol. he, he made some incredible carries knocking over Sheedy a number of times and giving us that front football. And yeah, just heartbreaking for him. You saw it on his face when he was leaving the field. Um, just hope he can, can recover and come back stronger. You, showed, you know, you're absolutely right. He showed us why we missed him so much and why we've been so excited to, to have him back in the, those, those early stages. And, you know, you, you do think he's such an explosive player. He's so powerful. Um, obviously he's very, very big, big bloke as well. And, 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 you know, muscle bound. So, does that mean that he's more susceptible to to these injuries being the player he is? I don't know, but we have, I've got a, a little update from, from, from the club. I mean, it's, it's not, it's nothing too kind of specific, but it, he essentially will see a specialist for his knee on, on Saturday, but it's unrelated to any previous knee injury that he's had, which I guess is, is positive, but yeah, they don't have a kind of prognosis for it. Um, and they obviously will know more after, after Saturday, on Chris Kalita, so he that's they've said that's a minor knee injury. So he's continued to be be reviewed. I don't have a sense of if he will if he will be available. And then Matt Gallagher and Johannes Jonker both picked up concussion injuries, so they then won't be available with the with the kind of concussion protocol to play on on Saturday against Sale, but will then be available, hopefully, to come back against against Wasps. Um on the positive side. Tom Ellis and Miles Reed are both back and and ready to be selected. So obviously that's good timing with Calerte's Calerte's injury. Um, and you know I'd expect probably to see Mac to see Miles Reed come into come into the the, the, the that seven shirt. So not as yeah, bad, that's good news. Not as bad as it could have been, but 
it sounds, I agree that Benno Abano injury did look serious. Um, so kind of wish him all the best and I guess all, all keep everything, all keep everything crossed for, 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 for Saturday. Moving on through the game then. So the, just, just before halftime kind of crazy incident just, just before, um, the break with, I mean, we see lots of red cards in the league for various things, but you don't often see a sub getting a red card. We were very confused watching that game in the ground. What, what on earth was going on? What did you, uh, what did you, I mean, you presumably weren't watching it either. You were following on Twitter. So uh, we're yeah. as confused as us, but not the way that Niall Annett will want to start his, his bath, his bath career. M- must be a record surely to be sent off before making your, your premiership okay. debut for, for a club that that has to be a first. Yeah. I, I, I was, I sort of, um, multitasking isn't my greatest, um, asset and I, I was as you said earlier was at the over watching the cricket and I was following Bath Rugby's Twitter feed and it said Niall Annett red card and I didn't clock that he hadn't been that Tom Dunn he, I, th- I thought he'd come on for Tom Dunn somewhere they hadn't seen so I instantly wrote us off thinking we had a red card and it wasn't until a little bit of clarification came through that um, no we had 15 players but but um, he couldn't come on but yeah a, a crazy incident I think you know there's there's zero tolerance to um, players getting involved who who aren't on the field. Um, I mean, from from the video, as I said, it's only one camera, but it doesn't look like he's he's done a huge amount wrong. Certainly not from a disciplinary perspective, but a, but I hear that he ran seventy meters to involve himself, which is why the the zero tolerance approach was taken. Yeah, um, and you know, just yeah, lost his head. Um, yeah, you know, there was a lot of atmosphere. It was very tense in the in the gate, and he's come out and. And, and, and apologised. 17-16 to Bristol at, at half-time. Obviously, they'd scored a, a try um, in, in, in that corner to, to go ahead. But as you say, we'd, we'd managed it well. And then I was really, really impressed with, with moving up, moving into the second half. I thought we, you know, we sucked the life out of their pack. We really killed the, the momentum that they'd built at the back end of that first half. Um, you know, support, the, the noise and the supporters started to, started to be noticeably, noticeably quieter. Um, and I was really, really pleased with the way that we we came out and took the initiative in in that second half, and obviously got nine points ahead after that that Tom Dunn try with with only fifteen minutes to go. Yeah, it, it, everything was looking good. I think you know we were keeping the ball really well, we were playing in the right areas of the field, and we were defending really well. Bristol were were giving penalties away, which allowed us to to march up the field. But yeah, it went back to to the solid set piece. You know, the scrum we were on parity, if not ahead of Bristol when. You know, when they had a front row of of Genge and Sinclair, all international starting in front row, that's a pretty um, exceptional effort. So, a shout out to Kutsir on debut. I thought he was outstanding because we we did struggle massively at tight head last season when Will Stewart wasn't available. So that that was really encouraging. And and again, a massive shout out to Tom Dunn because last season wasn't his best from a form perspective. He, you know, he never lost his heart, never lost his love of the club but I think he came out this season firing 100% at line out and he was all around the park and again going back to to the mauling I thought they're so much more compact in the mall um, and their body positions are so much better that, that that could be a real weapon going forward but yeah I thought we managed the game really well um, Dave Atwood you know he got 10 out of 10 in the reviews um, in the paper post-batch and he was just an absolute titanic all over the field he was he was hugely up for it um, I, I agree. I thought he was thought he was brilliant. Um, I think in you know the the line out being the first thing, as you say. I think there were four line out steals. I think he was he was instrumental in 
in in in some or, or or all of those. And I think he led the defense pretty well as well. He's obviously very aggressive defender. He was he was very up for it. He was flying out of the line. And um yeah, I think he was really part of that that pack in the second half that squeezed the life out of of, of Bristol a little bit, suffocated them, kind of put a stranglehold on them, didn't let them play much ball at all. I mean, how many kind of outside breaks did they actually really, really get? Charles Piatow was was really barely in the game, same as Luke Moran, you know, other than kind of getting his his his, his try out wide. So yeah, I think we I think we looked better in, in in that second half. But just to to play devil's advocate a little bit, I mean, we've got a target to concede only two tries per game this season. Ultimately we conceded five tries. We were nine points up with with fifteen minutes left to go and we ended up losing the game. Are these just the same old issues, but we're papering over the the, the cracks a little bit? Um Good question. I'm a little bit more forgiving, I think, than that at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, there's still a lot of scars from last season in terms of managing games. And um, as we discussed earlier, I think they'd be really disappointed, um, in particular for for Genji's second try. Mm. Uh, A free kick from a scrum, you should be able to then form a defensive line. Um, And they were obviously unhappy with the decision and they were marching very slowly back. But for him to to run almost unopposed apart from sort of Ben Spencer's last ditch tackle is really disappointing uh, from a, from a set perspective, uh, defensive point of view, you should be able to defend that with, without any fuss. Um, and then the final try. Yeah. The, the more defense sort of disintegrated, but the crowd were on Bristol's back. They had the momentum. It's a little bit disappointed with the penalty. Um, when I've watched it on the, the TV, I can't really see a clear, clear penalty and, Bristol knocked on on that exact face, yep. uh, which would have met, allowed us to clear our lines. So a little bit of luck, I think. But yeah, we need to manage those end of games better. Um, but I think, you know, there's some really encouraging signs from from last season uh, when you can compare and contrast, um, you know, Johan's directive. He was pretty honest, wasn't he, on, on your show saying that we, we just need to be competitive first and foremost. And I think to go to Bristol opening day of the season and yes I know we were ahead with 15 minutes to go and we should be grinding out those games but but ultimately I feel pretty positive from the performance perspective yes we did concede five tries but there were only four line breaks so the mm-hmm. the phase defense was good it was just yeah those, those little moments the, the the three tries in particular the two from Genge and the, the final more try that they'll they'll try and work on because that's set that set plays yeah and the, and the more defense was really good for, for the rest of the game yeah. they, like swamped I noticed they were kind of um, kind of swamping the sides of the mall a little bit um, I think operating on the edges of the, the the laws there but it just meant that you can't get that situation that we had when when Tom Dunn went through on that unbelievable mall from about 25 metres where you yeah. kind of like peel around the side and obviously just um, you're, you're right then into the into the, the belly of the defence so I think that was that was good I think you know we'd never like to blame referees on this podcast because the reality is, you know, you can hang, you can hang your hat on individual decisions, but the reality is you normally lose because, um, you know, it's normally in your hands essentially. And I, I think that, as you say, those two games tries, particularly the second one, which let's be honest, was pretty schoolboy. You can't let him, no matter how good a carrier, you know, how, no matter how aggressive a carrier is, you can't let him go through from there. And, you know, that was Dave Atwood. You know, he was the guy that, 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 that was there to make that first tackle and 
we were splintered and we we didn't do it. But I would say that not having a TMO, I think, meant that Tom Foley did lose control of the game a little bit. I think it started to come in with a little bit of niggle at the end of the the first half. But then little things just don't get picked up, as you say, and, and standards slip and the knock-on before the, the cape on try, 100% agreed that, that that was a knock-on. And also there was a penalty given in the second half for Genge pulling off Dave Atwood's scrum cap. Um, if you look at the mall just before the, the is it the Morahan try before half-time, 135 minutes, before the Annette red cards, he does exactly the same thing there. So little things like that that, that you know, get picked up, ill-discipline that gets picked up and you get punished for that. So I, I think he did lose control a little bit. But on the flip side, I did quite enjoy the way the game was just more free-flowing and we were stopping less. There weren't five, ten-minute stops when we were looking at the TMO. So um, pros and cons, I, I, I think, for that. And as you say, but for two defensive errors, we 100% win that game. And then this is a very, 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 very diff- difficult, different, different conversation. Anything else that you you wanted to, to to mention on on the game? No, I think we've we've covered it pretty comprehensively. The the only other thing I think just to mention for Richard Dick Carpentier, I thought firstly he looks um, a little bit different physically. I think you know he came in last year as a sevens player, very athletic, getting around the park. I think he's put on some some serious bulk over the over the summer to, to yeah. be a lot bigger ball carrier, and um, certainly for Spencer's first try, he runs yeah. over Sheedy. Uh, to get us get us on the front foot, and I thought he was very busy around the breakdown as well, slowing ball down when Clerty went off. So um, I think he looks like a sort of going to be a, a twenty, you know, in the twenty three a lot more regularly than we saw last season, and he has the ability to be a second row as well. So I think seeing him perform to that standard for for seventy minutes when he came on was was really encouraging from a from a pack perspective as well. Depth, yeah, I mean, we didn't see. Much of the the backs, I mean, much of the focus has been on, you know, I thought Atwood had a good game as well as, as, as well as you mentioned, Kutsir, I was quite impressed with. He had a hard job in that tight head shirt. And I thought for Decor Pentier, I, I agree. And I think it'll be interesting when Tom Ellis and Miles Reed now available, if he can, if he can kind of, you know, keep his place in that 23, because he does offer that kind of versatility and that bit of pace and dynamism coming off the bench. Exactly. Which you, which, you know, is, is, um, is good against towering, towering opposition, towering opposition. So yeah, just to, oh, we haven't mentioned the drop goal, obviously. So two-point game, 29-31. I thought it'd come back to Orlando Bailey. It was, of course, Piers Francis who who opted to take the drop goal. I think it was the first game of last season where we lost to a final kick as well when Bailey missed against AJ Bell. So two in a row. It would have been pretty sweet if we'd we'd knocked that that through the sticks, though. Yeah, and the radio, I think it was Dan Albert on commentary. Um, I was walking down the Vauxhall Road, leaving the Oval, and I think he was convinced it went over, and I was sort of skipping down the road, waiting for confirmation of the absolute agony when, oh. when I realised that it had drifted wide. Uh, was just gutting. But, it, I, it, you know, he looked like he struck it remarkably well, uh, but it just wide, which was, as you said, yeah, narrow margin, same as last season. Look what happened after uh, the first game of last season, let's hope yeah. that things don't repeat but we were um, we were side on we're about probably about on the on the 22 of to the, the side he was he, he was kicking to so we didn't know and i i thought when he hit it i thought he, he struck that pretty well that looks straight from my angle it's kind of 
when you're at the cricket, it's kind of when you appeal from an LBW from from deep square leg, and you don't quite know. Um, yes. You, you you know you have no idea if it's gone through, and then just looked behind at the the stand just directly behind the post and saw everyone standing up and cheering, and obviously being many Bristol fans and kind yes. of you know dawning on me there. But as I say, we've only got our, ourselves to blame, and um, I think we can we can we can be pretty positive. You know, Rome wasn't wasn't built in a day, and I think the game plan and the execution. And the clarity of thought is, is is definitely a big improvement. So, we'd obviously definitely. And, and sorry to sorry to the commitment as well. I think one of the really depressing things of of last season, particularly in the capitulations against Gloucester in particular, was there wasn't the fight there. Um, the, the guys weren't playing for each other or the shirt necessarily, and that was really hard, particularly in derbies, to watch. And I think the positive to come out of Saturday was how together the, the team were and, and how committed they were. And I think that's a huge part going forward of, of the, you know, this squad is United. They are together all on the same page. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of clicking. And that's the most positive thing for me that, that no one shirked from responsibilities or commitment on Saturday. And that's all, all you can ask, you know, Johan again on your, when your show said that we will lose games you know, this is a really tough premiership. And I think in the cold light of day, um, I wasn't, didn't wake up Sunday depressed, which I did in, in many times last season. I, th- it was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I agree. And just kind of echoing your thoughts on social media as well. We've had, um, a fair few people get in touch. Um, Tom Scriven, who's another kind of long time listener. He says all aboard the pragmatic train destination, more wins, but injuries are a concern, especially especially Benno. So obviously we've got that update from from the club. I mean, there's not a lot of clarity on Obara in particular. The others don't look too serious, but we'll we'll wait to see what comes out of there. But I think, yeah, I think I think that's 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 striking the right tone. I think if we continue to play like that, we will get wins this season. We're seventh in the table, obviously, with a, a losing bonus point. It's the highest we've been for a, a long, long time, already up six places from from last season. But it's uh <laughs> Injury management is going to be key. The games come thick and fast now. And, you know, with, with, with Lewis Boyce back, that's a positive, but then Schumann and, and Arthur Caldwell as well on the loose head side. If Benno's, if that's the season ender for Benno, there's a lot of responsibility on, on those guys' shoulders. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to go to market, surely, to, yeah, yeah. to bring in someone. I mean, you know, already tight heads, an issue. I'm sort of scratching my head here thinking um, with Yonker, obviously ruled out for Saturday. We're, we're yeah. down to bare bones. I think, is it is Verdon going to be the, the guy who goes on the bench? Because obviously Stuart can't, isn't available till another couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so Kutsiers obviously would, would start, but then the backup is already looking thin with Darcy Ray on the sidelines. No, no imminent sign of his return. He's um, quite close, I think. Um, is he? But yeah, he's, there's nothing in that injury report. So yeah, probably won't, probably will be burdened for 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 Saturday. So could see a short term signing and 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 burden the tight edge shirt. It's uh, it's it seems strange, but 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 anyway. As we always do on, on the podcast then after a after a game day. So we'll I'll just ask you Henry to do your your thick to score, your thick to rating. Obviously through through thick and thin on 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 this podcast and it sounds like you have been through thick and thin as well over the last 17, 18 seasons of of being a Bath fan. So one to ten, where would you? How how thick or how thin has uh, are you feeling right now after after the the two point loss at Ashton Gate? I think 
On a, yeah, positivity scale, yeah, seven, seven out of ten in terms of positive, obviously. Maybe that's a slightly too high. We're in a winning game, but um, from where we were last year, it's it's small steps, and I'm feeling very positive. Yeah, I think it's a low bar, isn't it? Um, I think the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the sixth scale barely registered for most weeks last last year. So I'll, I'll be, be I mean, I'll, I'd, I'd go for about a five. Um, probably residual hangover from heading down to Bristol for the weekend is probably making me make me feel a little bit more grumpy. But um, I think we conceded five tries. We you know we didn't close out the game as well as we we should have done. And and two schoolboy errors to let Genge dominate is it's hard to take. But I think clear signs of improvement as 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 as, as you say. And I think the the game plan under Van Gran is, 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 is pretty clear. It's not just, it's not just words. It certainly is kind of actions and, and deeds. And I think we've, we've seen that in the first game, first game this, this season. And I will, as I've said many times, I will take a boring win any day of the week. So um, here's to, here's to a few more of them that this season. Looking ahead to Saturday, then are you going to be making the, 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 the journey down to the pilgrimage down to the, the wreck for the, the fixture against sale. Certainly am. Uh, I'll be bringing my son as well. So it'd be his okay. first visit to the wreck. Uh, my wife as well. So uh, really looking forward to, to it. And I think we can go into the game with, with reasonable level of confidence, but, yeah. but also yeah. be a little bit cautious. Having seen sales attacking masterclass against Northampton on the highlights this morning, I'm a little bit cautious. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a couple of lovely tries out in the wide channel. Um, the the Sam James try is well worth a look if, I think it's up for a premiership trial of the week, well worth a look if you haven't seen that. Lovely hands. And I think where we did look fragile in defence on Saturday was when it got into the wide channels. We were quite narrow. We were still a little bit dog-legged. Obviously, that stuff's going to take time. But I'm a little bit concerned that a fit and firing to Alangi and a, a Tomo Flaherty, who, who used to love scoring against Bath in his, in his extra days, will will kind of take take advantage out there. But I mean, when we've played Sale in seasons on by, I mean, with the, the record against them has always been pretty good. But they're always close games, as I said, missed kick at the end of the, the AJ Bell fixture from Bailey and then a missed kick from Fafta Clerk at the wreck in the reverse fixture. You know, it was 23 all. Um, it finished and felt like a win after the Clerk missed that, the Clerk missed that, that kick. Um, how would you, how do you kind of see, how do you see the game, the game, the game playing out? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, as they always say, I think, you know, the pack will decide it. Ultimately, they, they've got a very physical pack with, with their South African influence still there with the Dupree brothers. Um, they've lost Lou Diego, which is a, was a massive loss for them from a physicality perspective. Be interesting to see if Johnny Hill plays for them. Um, but yeah, as you said, the, the danger seems to be in the backs. Luckily, they'll be missing George Ford, who's out till Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as you said, that would have been a pretty frightening prospect facing Ford and Tuolangi. Um, but but you know I said I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident I think um, this side will be be revved up ready to go first home game at direct to make a statement they know that that us fans have been long suffering and they I, as I said that the collective togetherness of the side I think they'll really want to make a statement I don't think we're going to bury teams this year with, with the style of rugby we're playing it's going to be attritional it's going to be close so I don't think we're going to be getting huge amount of bonus points although obviously that that's what the idea is as we evolve through the season and start to to get more involvement for outside backs. But but yeah, um, really looking forward to it. I think we can we can be positive of a of a, a tight narrow victory. 
yeah, and I think it's going to be a good test for this new physical forward-dominated sort of pragmatic bath. As you say, uh, Sale always bring a very hard, uncompromising pack. Have done so over Diamond. They do the same under under Sanderson, and you know they've there is some class out wide. But I think them missing George Ford, Tom Curry as well, Johnny Hill, who presume is still not available with given the ten week periods. Um, and then Rafi Quirk as well. I think that is uh, the four guys that uh, I think are pretty key to, to 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 their fortunes. So, yeah, I feel I feel feel I feel good about this one. I, I think there'll be some licking of the wounds these next couple of days. But then I think once the dust settles, we'll actually be feeling quite confident this tra- training week going to Saturday. So, yeah, I fancy it. I'm um, I'm not a season ticket holder. Um, I, I tend to go down with friends and that kind of thing so I I I kind of decide generally quite late on if if I'm going to head down I think I will for this one you know obviously the bank holiday weekend as well it's um if the weather's looking good or either way to honest, I think I'll uh I'll, I'll I'll make the trip down for the, the 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 first home game of the season yeah I think there's going to be an air of optimism new start um and then obviously it's a tight turnaround to Wasps yeah, uh, the following Friday, but that that's a that's a great opportunity now for this team to two home games to to try and pick up some some big wins and build some momentum. So it, it does feel like it's a really important fixture because if you go north from two straight into Wasps, who again did did a bath from last season, played one half of rugby against Gloucester, and then ultimately came up short. But they they don't seem to have had a hangover from their financial issues over the summer so it's such a competitive league you do need to build momentum so two huge games really yeah very much yeah it's um been great having you on and um nice to nose out on a on a monday evening over some over some bath rugby um so i am um, I'm, I'm i'm sure we'll uh, i'm sure we'll do it again great to have, great to have you you back on um and enjoy the game with your your son and wife on on saturday yeah, hopefully he's not too bored with the kick chase. I, I have to explain it to him uh, in the week that it might not always be this way. And do you want to rem- the patience. <laughs> yeah. And do you want to remind uh, any listeners on Twitter or whatever where 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 they can find you? Uh, so yes, I'm at the Bath Badger. Um, so yeah, please always free, always happy to engage in rugby or in particular Bath rugby chat. But but anything, yeah, always happy to. Have a discussion. Great stuff, and yeah, we are as as probably everyone knows in this because we're at, we're at Bath Rugby Plug, and then I think it's Bath Rugby Plug at gmail.com. So expect quick replies as always on on the email form, also on Facebook. Um, that gets checked for, fairly periodically, but we 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 do our best. It's um it's run run by the fans, and yeah, feeling very excited about about this season. We're into it now. It felt quite surreal turning up to to Ashton Gate. These seasons come around thick and fast now, so. Looking forward to, to being here week in, week out as we as 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 we go forwards and as we stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs> <laughs>